0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Twin Bills podcast, our Red Sox podcast from the Providence Journal. i Journal Sports Editor Bill Corey. With me is Red Sox writer Bill Koch. Hey, Bill. Bill, how are you this week? I'm good. Uh, so like uh, most of the people listening, they probably struggled to stay up late to watch the Red Sox beat the Seattle Mariners last night. Um I did as well, and I didn't quite make it to the end, but I saw a very good pitching performance by David Price. Uh, what was your take on that uh, on that outing? A good one.
1: Same thing that we've seen uh, his previous six starts. Uh, David Price is on quite a run right now. The Red Sox have won each of his last seven appearances. Uh, you know, last night Thursday was a two to one win over Seattle, and uh, you know, Bill, this is just a different guy since he was diagnosed with mild carpal tunnel syndrome. He just looks. Freer on the mound, whether it's mentally, physically, and I think a lot of folks since he's come to Boston have said he's a poor fit for the market, and you know he's too sort of hypersensitive to criticism. Couldn't that also mean that if he feels like he's hurt in some way that could hinder his performance, and that when the medical staff for the Red Sox tell him actually you're fine, your shoulder is fine, your elbow is fine, you can go out and pitch? That that would have a freeing effect on him. I, I I always I almost laugh at the fact that people can't really th- associate those two things together, right? Well, I
0: think you can you can go one of two ways
1: when you get criticized,
0: especially in Boston, because that's what we do, right? Uh, you can turtle uh, and you can come up with uh, reasons why you're not going to pitch or you didn't do well. And uh, so far, David Price hasn't really done that. I mean, he's been, you know, if this is the motivation for it, fine. But he has been. Uh, pretty solid since that episode of of mild uh, carpal tunnel
1: no fantastic uh you know hitters are, are struggling 205 against him his last seven starts he's given up 32 hits in 44 and a third innings he has 47 strikeouts in that span if you go to his previous five starts and the last of those was at texas where he gave up nine runs which was a career high uh, his previous five starts, hitters were batting three oh nine against him, 29 hits and 13 walks in 23 innings, just constant traffic on the bases. Um, the velocity is back at this point. I saw him hit 96 miles an hour against the Mariners last night. Which is a
0: great sign because obviously we're all kind of waiting to see, is he going to last this season? We all know what's been going on, uh, you know, the last couple of years. But uh, yeah, I mean, so far you really have no complaints since since he's uh, come back from that uh not really an injury, but whatever it was that slowed him down and took him off the mound.
1: The, the last month and a half, there isn't a pitcher on the Red Sox staff who has thrown the ball better than he has, and that's a really good time for this team going forward.
0: We'll stay with the Red Sox staff here for a minute, and somebody else who doesn't throw the ball quite as hard, but has been uh, very uh, effective, has been knuckleballer Stephen Wright. What do you see out of him?
1: Uh, Stephen Wright, you know, just back from uh, knee surgery in the offseason, he's uh, you know, and a guy who said his goal was just to get back pitching again. Uh, you know, he obviously had the shoulder problems running the bases. I think that was in Texas <laughs> right. in 2016, diving back into the bag. That was sort of an ill-fated decision and by some, John Farrell. Right, something that John Farrell will uh, probably
0: never uh, live down. Yeah,
1: but. you know, sort of derailed his All Star there yeah. uh, through the final third of the season. Um, but Stephen Wright has been great for this team. Uh, he's on a 22 and two third inning scoreless streak right now. Uh, the last two appearances he've ha- he's had. A been starts uh and he's been excellent in both of them i think the biggest thing for me the biggest takeaway and right addresses the other night was he's throwing more ground balls than he ever has in his career normally the knuckleball you know as the saying goes if it's high let it fly um and it lends itself to frequent home runs when the ball is is up in the zone and put up into the air uh out of the balls put in play against right this year, 56% have been on the ground. And, you know, he said the other night uh, in Baltimore that he's making a conscious effort to try and pull down on that pitch a little bit. Uh, like he, he acknowledged you only have so much control over the knuckleball, right. it sort of has a mind of its own. But, you know, if it's up to him, he wants it to tumble a little bit and go down in the zone, have hitters put it in play on the ground. And, you know, so far he's been extremely effective at doing that. Um. So uh, he certainly has. Um, someone who has
0: not been all that effective this year, and who's was on the DL right now, is Drew Pomerance. Uh Last I checked, his ERA was uh, just shy of seven. Um, what are we thinking Drew, Pom- Drew Pomerantz is going to contribute to this team? Uh, is it... Uh do you think he may find himself in the bullpen now that Carson Smith isn't, uh, isn't going to be with the team for the rest of the season?
1: Well, for now, uh, we don't necessarily have to worry about it because Drew Pomeranz isn't really close to pitching in a game at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's played catch two or three times since hitting the DLA of left biceps tendonitis. Uh, said he's feeling better, um, but you would imagine with the amount of time he's been out now, he's probably going to need... To build himself up a little bit, maybe go on a rehab assignment. You know, maybe have a couple starts in the minor leagues. Um, and at this point, I, I just don't think that you can make a credible argument to replace Stephen Wright in the rotation. Uh, you know, I also think that in Pomeranz's case, you only have one lefty in the bullpen right now, and that's Brian Johnson. You have one long man in the bullpen right now, and that's Hector Velasquez. Uh, You know, maybe Pomeranz now slots into that role, and I'm sure that's not something he wanted to do considering this is his free agent walk year. Uh, You know, how he adjusts to that, how the Red Sox manage him going forward would be something to think about.
0: Well, I agree with you. You don't want to uh, mess with. with Wright right now in the uh, in the in the rotation, uh, we've seen when he gets on these streaks, you just kind of ride him <laughs> until it goes the other way. But he can be, you know, very durable, and, and this could last for a couple of months. So yeah, sh- there should be no rush in getting him out of there. Um, so let's let's flip uh, a little bit and talk about the offense. Last night, uh, Thursday night in Seattle, we saw uh, Xander Bogarts and Jackie Bradley Jr. Come through uh, and uh, deliver, and in the previous game we saw a, a different uh, group of characters deliver for the Red Sox. Uh,
1: maybe more the the uh, the more usual group: uh, right. Mookie Betts <laughs> home J.D. Martinez home ring, Andrew Benintendi reaching base four times. Uh, I, I think the overall point that you're you're trying to get at here, Bill, is that different guys are doing things for this team every night and and i think that's the mark of a really good team and you you look at the red sox right now 48 wins are the most in the majors through 70 games uh you're getting contributions up and down the lineup at this point uh you know teams who are able to do that who don't have to ride one or two guys they tend to be really successful absolutely and um you know, Jackie Bradley, we're all sort of
0: waiting for that really hot streak. And he, he showed signs of it, maybe kind of backed off a little bit. But, um, you know, I've always contended, and and I've got friends that will tell me to go jump in a lake, but I've always contended that if Jackie Bradley can hit somewhere around 240, you take it because what he brings uh, defensively is so valuable. But it's getting
1: to 240. That's the problem. I think the, the difficult thing for Jackie sometimes is, uh, you know, he might, Hit balls hard, put them in play, not get results, and and that sort of drags down the average even more. I said to him on the getaway day in Baltimore on Wednesday, he went 0 for 4. He could have had three extra base hits in that game. He hit 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 three three balls hard right Right. on the screws, and I said, Jackie, uh, your batting line today is a lie. (laughs) I said you didn't deserve to be 0 for four. You know he lined to first, he lined to center. Uh, There was one at bat where he popped up the previous pitch. He'd hit a homer to right field that was foul. Right, Right. You know so, and Alex Cora addressed that after the game. He he said I have no problems with what Jackie and I'm paraphrasing, but he said no problems with Jackie's at bats today. I just told him to. You know, try and stay patient and and you know stay consistent with his approach because the way he hit the ball today, eventually those will start falling in for him. Uh, he is better than he was uh, you know in that stretch, you know maybe in early May where he was just really really scuffling and striking out at a very high rate. You know, wasn't even putting the ball in play. Right. Um, you know, I think he's made progress from then. And like you said, the defense is you know is peerless. And and when you put him in the outfield with Ben and and with Betts. Yeah, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. I think Boston has the best defensive outfield in baseball and you know that makes such a huge difference not only in terms of your pitching staff, but just in terms of you know, the tempo of the game, the pace of the game, the the way that your overall defense will play, you know, errors are not being made out there. Balls are being caught, they're not runners on base. That makes it easier for your infielders and your catchers as well. And it and it helps keeps uh, keep JD Martinez
0: as the D H, which is what something you probably wanna do. Uh, more often than not because he is such a fantastic hitter not the best fielder and obviously you know there's there's a risk of uh, of injury when you're out in the outfield
1: yeah, there was a, a line drive hit to right field the other day in baltimore and martinez took a couple steps in a couple more steps in and sort of made this halting dive for it made a backhand right. catch wasn't the smoothest and I, I turned to pete abraham of the boston globe who's to my left and i said "Ooh, that wasn't uh, the best look for a guy who's hitting 320 right probably don't want his wrist bending in that sort of way making a backhand catch or uh you know maybe hesitating in that way and, and tweaking an ankle or tweaking a knee or tweaking a hamstring or groin um Let's face it, this guy's contribution to this team is going to be at the plate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Bradley can get it going a little bit, I've said this all along, I have no problem with playing those three outfielders every single day. There are other guys in this order who are going to hit enough to cover for the bottom uh, you know, and you've got to get Martinez, probably, he's he's about a 50-50 split right now between the outfield and the DH, mm-hmm. you hope that maybe over the last third of the season that will go down a little, maybe to 30-40%, more DH-less outfield, yeah, and have sure. him fresh for the playoffs, yeah. which is where you're really going to need him, absolutely, um, well
0: speaking of the outfield, uh, Andrew Benintendi has been uh, coming on of late,
1: uh, and we are only what, three, four weeks or so away from the All-Star game? The, the voting closes in three weeks. It's actually in four weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think it's July 17th in Washington. And I think you can safely say that uh, J.D. Martinez
0: and Mookie Betts will be there. I think you can safely say that Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell will be there. Uh, what, about, uh, what about Benintendi? What do you think? I
1: think he's making a late run here. Uh, you know, the way he's gone here recently... Um, you go back to today, is June 15th. So All let's right. go back to May 15th, which is a month ago. Um, you know, in those 28 games, Andrew Benintendi has seven doubles, two triples, 10 home runs, hmm. OPS of 1179. Wow. Yeah. Is that good? It sounds pretty good to I'd me. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that, that he's doing is he has 17 walks and 19 strikeouts. Those numbers are even. He's got an excellent batting eye at the plate. That was one of the things that the Red Sox really liked about him when they drafted him in the first round in 2015. Whenever they say that a hitter has a quote-unquote advanced approach, that means that they have an idea of what the strike zone is, and, and Andrew Benintendi does. You know, you think back to earlier in the year. He had such a great spring training, and maybe the first two weeks of the season, it, it seemed like everything he hit was a fly ball to left field or a pop-up to shortstop. It wasn't necessarily translating into the regular season but what he was doing at the time was he was still drawing walks right wasn't expanding the strike zone and you saw it turn for him towards the end of April and into May and it's just carried into the middle of June now Um, and I think just that consistent approach that he has serves him so well as a professional player the other thing you need to remember about this guy is he's 23 years old you know he's not even close to his prime or the player that he could be when right. he's 26 27 28 um so you have to be really really encouraged with what he's giving them so far well i think
0: he's certainly uh making a very strong run here to, to join his teammates uh down in washington dc and it should be a pretty good all-star game lots of red sox representation uh you know it's an east coast game so uh you know it will probably be there too um
1: so yeah we'll we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that um you have to think he's going to have at least, you know, Mookie Betts, uh, as the the results were released this week. He's a leading vote getter in the American League. Right. Not just by position. Uh, JD Martinez was the leading vote getter at designated hitter. Uh, pitchers are selected later on by the manager, who's mm-hmm. A.J. Hinch of the Astros. You have to think that Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell are in strong contention there, maybe even Joe Kelly. Uh, mm. If you look at his that, numbers, that's true. Yeah, you know, they've been really, really good this season as a middle reliever. Yep. Um, you know, And then Ben Intendi could find himself, if not a managerial selection, you know, maybe on that last five ballot. Yep. Uh, and if he keeps going like this for another two or three weeks, it's going to be really hard to make a case against him joining his teammates in Washington. Well, let's touch on
0: one of the guys you just mentioned. That's uh, Chris Sale. Uh, he last pitched against the Orioles uh, when they wrapped up the home homestand. Wednesday afternoon, yeah. At, at Fenway. And, um, you know, it was a little surprising to me because I don't usually see Sale get that worked up about calls and he was legitimately angry he got tossed as he was being removed from the game so it really didn't matter we we
1: won't tell the folks what he said uh you can find the video online and and maybe maybe some of them haven't blurred out his lips yet yeah i think Uh, it's pretty clear if you can see it (laughs) it it was uh some words that you probably wouldn't say in front of your kids and uh something that involved horses well what do you think of that uh you were at the game what do you think of that first uh you know he was already out of the game Right. He had already been removed from the game. Alex Cora had already made a pitching change. So if you want to get ejected after you've been taken out of the game, fine. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't impact the bullpen or anybody else at that point. It's not like he could come back into the game anyway. You know, and Sale acknowledged that afterwards. He, he, you know, they played a 12-inning game on Monday. And then on Tuesday, they only got five and two-thirds from Eduardo Rodriguez. So the bullpen was was in the red zone at that point. And Sale acknowledged that afterwards. He said, if I did something stupid in the second, the third, or the fourth inning, I can't do that. I still have a job to do, yeah. which is to get deep into the game. Um, you know, and, and like he said, stuff happens. You know, it was his second career ejection. It's not like he's, you know, some chronic umpire baiter in in a way. Right. Uh, you know, he's run a little hot. He's frustrated with some of the calls. Mm-hmm. A handful of them, you could say, were wrong. Uh, you know, another handful were on the edges of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Brian Knight opted to call the pitchers balls. Uh, You know, you you can't take those back. Uh, But if you're Chris Sale, you're a really competitive guy. You run a little hot sometimes. He got a little frustrated. And, you know, when he was out of the game and and couldn't impact the game anymore, he told Brian Knight what he thought of of his day behind the plate. Uh, (laughs) Brian Knight disagreed and, and, you know, sent Chris Sale to the clubhouse early. But I don't have any problem with a player being upset in any way on the field I, I have no problem with that this isn't under six soccer yeah this is professional sports these guys are out there competing at the highest level and the margin especially balls and strikes when you're trying to get the best hitters in the world out razor thin and and he knows that everyone knows that so i have no problem with what he did on wednesday well this leads me to a uh to a favorite
0: discussion of mine which is Should we just go to the technology when it comes to balls and strikes? I mean, look, we're watching these games on the best TVs we've ever had in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? We have HD. We have giant screens. We know exactly where these pitches are going. There's an imaginary line that's drawn there with the lasers, so we know if it's within the strike zone, on the line, or outside of the strike zone. Why not just turn it over to technology, let the umpires be there to call the plays at home, you know, whether the batter fouled it off or not, but in terms of balls and strikes, you know, just have whether it's a in the in the box or outside of the box, just have some kind of a display that the umpires can see and let him actually, you know, go through the motions of calling the balls and strikes, but have the technology actually call the balls and strikes.
1: Well, most of the major resistance to technology in baseball is whether or not it's going to lengthen the game. And 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 we don't want that. Right. And you hear the discussion all the time concerning video replay. You know, should we expand replay? Should it include all calls you know not just boundary calls or home runs right. um you know should we give co- should we give managers unlimited challenges you know so there's a big call on the bases and say the seventh inning and you've already used your two challenges and you don't have a third one actually happened the other day in Baltimore Buck Showalter had already used his two challenges Brock Holt's foot I thought came off yeah. the bag at first right. base and the Orioles couldn't challenge I think that ended the sixth inning Um, you know and that that was a point in the game where the Red Sox were up for nothing and you know Baltimore still had a chance really um, and might have gotten a little bit of a break but I think the folks who will say we want to get the call right and the folks who will say the game is too long already as it is (laughs) they would sort of butt heads if you got into the strike zone conversation. For me I, I equate it with tennis where you're dealing with you know, razor thin margins of, of you know, fractions of inches. Right. They go to Hawkeye, it comes out on the scoreboard, the crowd claps, they look up there and, and the call is made. Sure. Um I don't see any reason why you couldn't have, say, the Amika pitch zone on the scoreboard at Fenway Park. Right. It's why a not? digital scoreboard. The umpire's behind the plate, he looks up, yep, that's a strike. Sure. Yep, sure. that's ball.
0: And yeah. you st- and, and you don't want to take the umpires off the field because no you they could
1: still be there in an administrative role sure but they might not be as active in an
0: arbitrary role right and but they're still making the calls on you know plays at different bases sure you know, things that technology isn't going to call in an instant like they would like it would with balls and strikes of course so uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But uh, it it just seems that you know anyone who's sitting at home watching the game can tell now whether it's a ball or a strike, and it's frustrating for a fan when the umpires miss those calls because it it becomes so obvious when they miss them
1: you know and i I will tell folks uh you know when you're at the park you pull up mlb.com and you have uh, the game tracker on and it has balls and strikes there probably with like a five second delay or so Uh, and frequently on, on my twitter account at billkotch25 i will tweet out um a spray of the previous at bat strikes are in red balls are in green and and if a ball is put in play it's in blue uh and it has the strike zone superimposed on the page it's just a quick image um you know and sometimes you can see that if a pitcher is 0-2 and the third pitch is green but it was actually in the strike zone and the bat ends up going on for eight or nine pitches the batter should have been out earlier Right, right the umpire missed the call and that affects not only the pitcher but you know, the pitcher's future in the game. Sure. You know, he has to throw five or six extra pitches in the second, five or six more in the third. He can't come out for the seventh or for the eighth. And, you know, that can make a big, big difference. I think that's why, you know, somebody like Sale, considering the state of the bullpen the other day, was so upset at Brian Knight. And I, you know, like I said before, I can't necessarily blame him for right. that.
0: Well, speaking of pitchers maybe not going as deep as we would like them to go, uh, you had a story in today's paper, uh, in the Providence Journal and online at ProvidenceJournal.com, about um, Eduardo Rodriguez and some of his struggles. And here's a guy who's got great stuff, uh, who's having a, a good year, decent year. Um, but, yeah, he's sort of been plagued by maybe getting the hook a little too soon because he gets himself in trouble and throws more than he should.
1: Yeah, the the pitch counts tend to run up with him, and and it was something that Alex Cora spoke about uh, the other night you know, after his start on Tuesday. Um, now, keep in mind he started thirteen games this year. Boston's won twelve of them, right? Um, yeah, you know, so this oh, guy—it's not, it's not like he's doing a bad job. No, no, but he could be doing a better job. That's right. We're 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 sort of nitpicking here at this point because. Yeah. As Alex Cora said, I feel like there's more there. Right. You know, he sees more potential for this guy, not just to be a number four or number five starter, but to be a top of the rotation type of guy. And if you look at his raw stuff, you know, just his his pitches, what he has, there's probably eight or nine guys on the Red Sox staff who would trade what they have for what he has. Right. Uh, sure. I mean, you're talking about a, a left handed pitcher who's twenty five years old, fastball in the mid nineties, change up in the upper 80s that dives and darts you know, down and away. The other night actually in Baltimore um, the pitch tracker there they were actually referring to his change up as a two seam fastball. Wow. It, it was that hard uh, had that much movement they were wrong as a change up. Uh, you know he's also shown signs of a cut fastball this year that you know he can either front door to lefties or back door to righties and yeah, you know, he's just got really, really good pitches. It's just a matter of being a little more economical. And he's not afraid of the moment, which is
0: something you love to see in a young in a young pitcher. You know, he 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 definitely wants the ball when uh you know when the pressure's on.
1: I think in Cora's case, and and he alluded to this. He said, if Eduardo could see himself from the dugout. He would think that he has a lot better stuff than, than he <laughs> right. actually might think from the mound. Yeah. Uh, you know What he would like to see, and there were three specific at-bats that I pulled out of that game the other night. Uh, he had Adam Jones 0-2 at one point. He had Mark Trumbo 0-2 twice and ended up throwing 11 extra pitches in those at-bats mm. uh, You know, instead of just killing those guys quick. Um, you know Jones ended up going full, I think, uh, grounded to short. Trumbo ended up with seven more pitches. He popped to second, and he grounded to second. Yeah. None of those at-bats resulted in hard contact. And, and I think in Rodriguez's case, he gave up a home run and seven singles. It's not like guys are teeing off on mm-hmm. him. Right. Um, you know, but I think what Cora is is trying to get him to do, and, and it's a, a bit more veteran approach if you think back to like a Greg Maddox. Folks talk about forcing contact. You force hitters to hit the ball where you want them to. You throw them a fastball away, and they hit a ground ball to second base. That's fine. Ground ball to second base isn't going to hurt anyone, right? You know, you work a guy inside, and he pops up to short. That's fine too. Um, you know, but I think they just like to see him be a little bit more aggressive when he's up in the count sort of terminate these at-bats a little sooner, and that's going to translate into him getting through the sixth inning and into the seventh inning, taking a little stress off the bullpen. Sure,
0: sure. Uh, Well, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we do, I I should mention that um, speaking of Red Sox pitchers, there is going to be probably the greatest pitcher that I've seen in my lifetime who uh, pitched for the Red Sox is going to be joining us in Providence, On Wednesday, June 20th For our annual All-States banquet And that's, of course, uh, Pedro Martinez Bill uh, is going to be up on stage Along with columnist Kevin McNamara uh, Grilling, asking the really hard questions, of course To a retired Pedro But it should be a great night We honor all of our All-State athletes uh, we have special award winners. Uh, it's usually a fun night, isn't it,
1: Bill? No, it is. It's great to celebrate the kids and, and the work that they do. Uh, you know, being a student athlete is. It's one of the highlights of your life, really, um, for many people.
0: Sure, you know yeah, it, that's, that's the end of their uh, organized sports activities. And, you know, of course, there's beer league softball and all that stuff. But <laughs>
1: right. yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, you can be a broken down sports writer slash golfer like <laughs> I am now. Um, you know, but but realistically, when I say that, it, it's just it's time that you get to spend with the people you grew up with, playing right. sports, playing for your town, playing for your school. Um, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to move on to college or the professional ranks, it's a little more like a job at that point. And it, right. it's not as pure as it's going to be. Um, you know, and in Pedro Martinez's case, uh, I echo, you know, what you said. Uh, I was in college in Boston while Pedro was pitching for the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, you know, I started at BU in the fall of 97. He was traded to the Red Sox in 96. Um, you know, and... The Red Sox were not good no. when, I, when I started. Uh, you know, A lot of folks might go back to the 99 ALCS when they played the Yankees, um, you know, and then into the 2000s teams. And, and you see them competing now year in and year out. It's this monster, you know, whether it be financially, player development-wise, where they're just expected to win the division, be in the playoffs, be in the World Series. But it, al- it wasn't when always I, that way. No. And when I started at BU, they were not a good team. The one exception... In terms of attendance at Fenway Park were the nights that Pedro Martinez pitched. It truly was an event sure. in Boston. He was that special. Uh, to see this little guy, you know, 170 five, hundred seventy pound guy soaking wet, pitching in one of the filthiest eras in baseball. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the steroid era. You had these huge muscle bound sluggers in the box against him, and they had no chance against this little guy who had you know three plus-plus pitches, if, if you were to speak to a scout, fastball, breaking ball, and change-up. Uh, he was phenomenal. And, you know, I think he's going to be great with the kids because he was a guy who struggled early in his career. He was a relief pitcher with the Dodgers, was told by the Dodgers, you're too weak to be a starter. We don't see you in that role. Right. Uh, moved on to Montreal, became one of the best pitchers in the National League, and then he was brought to Boston by Dan Duquette, who was the GM Of the Expos before he came to the Red Sox and knew what he had knew that he had an ace a superstar a ticket seller uh, a perennial Cy Young candidate and he was right and he was 100% right through 2004 that first championship in 86 years uh, I agree with you for my money the best Red Sox pitcher that I have seen with my own two eyes. Yeah, I would. I would say the only thing, only guy that came close for me was
0: Clemens, uh, early got, Clemens in or, the yeah, '80s. Right. Yes, but but I would still give Pedro the nod. Anyway, it should be a great night uh, next week um, at the Rhode Island Convention Center. Tickets are still available if those of you uh, want to come out and see Pedro on stage. Um, with that, I think we will sign off and we will be back and do this again a week from now. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill.